Happy Sabbath, and uh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord today and uh, worship Him. You know, one of the signs of the last day is that uh, many people will have a form of religion, but will not have the power. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you are familiar, but the religious world uh, start now preparing for Easter, the Lent season, they call it. And uh, they had Ash Wednesday. And you know what's amazing? It's more and more promoted by other churches, not Catholics only, but... Almost everyone said, oh, you know, it's good to learn from that experience. But, first of all, there is not any biblical foundation to go 40 days of uh, fasting. You cannot find anything in the Bible. And second, it's based on the false kind of concept of salvation by works, you know. And they put emphasis of sacrificing something. Well, and while you follow Christ because he gave us an example and he sacrificed himself and so we have to follow him and then we will get some uh, blue points or whatever you call it and uh, the problem is you know I was listening to some people saying oh what they decide to give up some people call and said oh I, I decide to give up meat <laughs> and sacrifice meat they were saying and some other called in sweets I will sacrifice sweets and uh, I said, this is not really sacrifice, it's a benefit. If you don't eat all that uh, bad things, it's, uh, it's not really a sacrifice, it's a good thing. But, uh, but it shows people, you know, they, they like to have something, you know. And uh, the sad part is they, uh, you know, accept false uh, teachings and uh, they are kind of tripped in all these kind of uh, things that does not satisfy the soul. But uh, the thing is, you know, in the world, we are so divided nowadays, you know, uh, politically. <laughs> and it seems like people talking that we cannot get back and be reunited. Even in Romania, they had all the political turmoil. And I know it's sad, but, uh, you know, people still hope for some change from the people up in the government. And uh, I know many evangelicals that supported the president now... Uh, seem to be disappointed because it seems like the, the saying is truth. The more the things change, <laughs> the more they remain the same. <laughs> and uh, it seems to be like uh, this is happening again when somebody promised something and uh, things continue to go the same way. Actually, the prophecy is the key to understand what's happening and... Uh, we know the government will not shrink, but will get more intruding, and one day will force people to worship in a certain day, and we know that's the end. But we have to prepare for that time, and uh, I decide to talk about what's the most important thing, in my opinion, that uh, we should do. And the starting uh, verse that I like to look into, it's, I mean, there are several verses. It's First uh, Peter chapter 1 verses 13 to 16. And here is an advice from uh, the Apostle Peter regarding uh, the one of those needs that we have to be prepared for the coming of, of Jesus Christ and the revelation of Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter 1 verses 13 to 16. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind be sober, 
and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourself according to the former lust in your ignorance, <clears throat> but as he which had called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. It's very interesting here. Uh, Peter talks about us having to gird up the loins of our mind and be sober and hope to the end. And I like to try to explain what I believe he tries to mean by gird up the loins of your mind. You know, uh, it's a term, loins. It's something, it has to do something that you tie up, I believe, and, uh, uh, you know, you gird up and something, and you, uh, and basically, uh, I, th I believe what he's trying to say, be careful what you put in your mind. And uh, tie it up and don't let anything come or anything go out. And, uh, and it has to do with this, uh, what kind of, uh, we set our energies and actually our mental power to <clears throat> think about and then accept and embrace and then we will act upon and um, <clears throat> when we look at that, I think uh, there are two main things that we do with our brains. I mean, we are, uh, and that's why it's very important to control what we do in those times. And I like to look at all these two attributes of the brain and the capacity of the brain. And I believe it's uh, meditation and imagination. Those two things, I believe, are uh, one of the things, some of the more important things that we can do with our brain. Meditate and uh, imaginate. I like to look at those two things and see how we can apply this Bible verse about our meditation and our imaginations. I'll start with the second one, with the imagination. You know, uh, if you do a Bible search, most of the things the Bible says about imagination are negatives. Uh, I have uh, looked into the uh, concordance and looked at the Bible verses, and almost anything was uh, negative. The idea is, I will try to define imagination. Uh, some people believe imagination is the capacity of your brain to make an image or see something. And, uh, you know, uh, the people that promote these kind of uh, things, they even go so far that you almost create a different reality with your brain. If you are good at it and you spend lots of times, you get to, you know, all your senses will be involved. And the concept is this, when you do these things, your senses are involved and your feelings and you got some emotional in you and uh, will affect you. But here, let's see what the Bible says about <clears throat> imagination. And uh, we have the, rep, uh, the record of uh, the people living before the flood. In Genesis chapter 6, 
and verse 5. It talks here about the imagination of the people before the flood. And it's a very sad picture. 6 and verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. So, it looks like, I mean, evil continually. It's not more that you uh, can come there. It's, they gave up their minds only to evil. And that continually. You will think, how can this happen? But uh, it's a, a reality of what happened back then. And then, after the, the flood, God had mentioned something about the imagination of man's heart. And here is what God says in Genesis 8.21. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither, neither will I again smite anymore every living thing as I have done. So here, the Holy Spirit revealed to the person that wrote the Genesis, I think Moses, that the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. So this is uh, what God says about our imagination. And... Uh, i like to go a little bit more and bring some of what Ellen Wise says about imagination. And uh, maybe, uh, you know, when you do a research about what she wrote, she sometimes seems to have something to get, say good about imagination. I think we, if we use good sense, we will see what she refers when she uses imagination, she referred to something that your brain might make some thoughts and think of some other things and not necessarily imagine something. And I believe if we use that, we will be safe. And I would just like to see, uh, show some of the things that Ellen J. Wise said about, uh, about meditation and uh, And here is what she says in the Revival, page 65. The infinite value of the sacrifice required for our redemptions reveals the fact that sin is a tremendous evil. Through sin, the whole human organism is deranged, the mind is perverted, the imagination is corrupted, Sin has degraded the faculties of the soul. This is the result of, of sin. But there are a few points here. The infinite value paid for our redemption. So Christ is infinite. Some people, you know, question that, but, you know, it's very clear. Christ is the creator. He has power. And after uh, his death and resurrection, he received all the power. So he's all-powerful. But here is what she said. The mind is perverted. The imagination is corrupted. And the work of the gospel is to redeem us and change us. And I think the work is 
through cleaning up our mind, through using it the way God wants and kind of cleaning it up and have a sanctified imagination. Actually, many times Ellen White talks about the sanctified imagination and the corrupt imagination. And uh, uh, to understand about why this imagination sometimes is not good, I like to go a little bit more about what influence our imagination and kind of gets us to have a corrupt imagination. There are two main things that Ellen White says corrupt our imagination. Let's see which, let's see how good you are. Which one do you think are those? First, is reading something. I'll give you a clue. Yes, yeah, storybooks and romance novels. And second, what do you think is second? Theater and acting. Those are the two things Ellen White. Theater is the most dangerous one. Ellen White clearly said to corrupt our imagination is the most powerful tool Satan uses. But I would like to look a little bit on details about why, you know, storybook. And in comparison, the remedy is the Bible. To clean up and, you know, apply your mind in a different set. But here is what Ellen White says about the, the Bible and why we should read the Bible. Communion with God and love for God, the practice of holiness, the destruction of sin, all are, are all pleasant. The reading of God's word will not fascinate the imagination and inflame the passions like a fiction storybook but softens, elevates, and sanctifies the heart. So when you read uh, one of these storybooks, it will inflate the patience, I mean the, the passions of, and all the, those emotions, and will have the result of uh, a diseased imagination. When you read the, the Bible, will have the opposite effect. And if we will look at the difference between the Bible and the storybooks, we can realize why, you know, and how to do the right kind of imagination. You know, uh, when you read a storybook, it tries to build you an image. It describes there how a person looks like. It gives you the air, the hair color, <laughs> the eye color, the looks, the muscle or not muscle, the height and that. It, it basic, basically, it gets try to get you involved with all your feelings. Now, that's when you read or not. It describes the scenarios or the the land around, and build help you build there and that. But when you read the Bible, you don't find those details in there. I mean, if you look at the only, let's say, description that kind of feels, there is one when Saul is described to being one head taller than the people around him. That's the only physical, I mean, one of the uh, f uh, physical description of the Bible. But you cannot build that much about because it doesn't give you any other details. It doesn't tell you all the color of his hair or that. Was he bulky or was he skinny? Was, uh, we just know he was very tall, but that's all. In a way, the point was it's not important the looks, I mean, in the way it says, hey, this was a man that, you know, stood up. <laughs> That's the only thing. 
And also, in another pa uh, passage, it describes David that he had a nice-looking face. But that's all. <laughs> Some people, the Romanians say, oh, he had the curly hair and that, but the Bible doesn't say it's just our imagination building something. But here my think is this one. It's not important those things, the looks. It's important the facts and what happened. But, hey, people said, oh, you know, we are visual. <laughs> the TV made us <laughs> visual. And uh, it's not really good to put too much emphasis on what you see. Because from my own perspective, you know, what difference was, uh, does it make Christ? You see the, the land where Christ spoke. It's not important the place, it's important what he said. So basically, the, and that's what one of the, I, I read sometime a commentary of why people are kind of in very dangerous situation because we cannot think critically. And they said the TV failed <laughs> to make us think critically <laughs> because they tried to use the TV to educate and actually the TV does exactly the opposite. It doesn't help you uh, think critically. So it's not necessarily important the place and how it looked. It was a nice, beautiful uh, hill, or uh, was a lake, or how it looked. You know, we could come here in America. It's important what he said and what happened. That's what I believe the Bible describes, and that's why. And also, when he's coming to make an image, it's very dangerous when you go to worship God, because God forbids no image of him that you could use in your worship. Actually, if you can turn with me, in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Here is one of the why kind of God has not revealed himself in a personal form. Uh, Deuteronomy 4, 15 and 16. Take it therefore good heed unto yourself, for he saw no manner of similitude on the day that the Lord spake unto you in Horeb out of the midst of the fire, lest you corrupt yourself and make your graven image, the similitude of any figure, the likeness of male or female. So God had chosen to hide himself in the cloud. The darkness was upon, you know, he hid himself in the darkness. People could not see him. Because he knew that, you know, if we see him, it's going to be, we'll try to make an image and that's going to be. But, you know, now people make, in their imagination, they make image of God. We saw movies and we use that when we try to think of Jesus and make an image of Jesus that I believe we might be in danger of breaking the commandment because it's not really how Jesus is. You know, and what's interesting Ellen G. White saw Jesus Christ. I mean, she was shown things in the past and might have seen how Jesus looked. But you don't see any description about her, I mean, about Jesus, about the color of, uh, or what he looked. There are a few that say that when he looked, the eye penetrated and her soul was kind of like an empty book and was something that, by the way she describes, is one of the capabilities of Jesus of knowing us very well. And you know, when He looks at you, you realize that He 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 knows everything that is within you. But 
you know, we live in a society that is so much visual, and the TV and the movie just feeds us. But the problem is, you know, this it doesn't have a good influence on us. And I like to see that the most dangerous thing is now it came this one uh, in the religious world, and they try to use this as means of getting closer to God. But here is what Ellen White so talked about this appeal to imagination. And one of the things that Ellen White talks about, you know, in the last days, the, the false revival will appeal to our emotions and feed our emotions. But here is what Ellen White talked about when she talked about Paul preaching to the people in Corinthians. And uh, it's from the Acts of the Apostle, page 251. And here we see, and this is one of the things that she repeatedly counseled people that preach. We should not put emphasis on the thing that she says about. Here is what she says about this need of being careful of not feeding the imagination. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the, the quote here. It's a little bit lengthy, but I hope you, you can bear with me. Paul was an eloquent speaker. Before his conversion, he had often sought to impress his hearers by flights of oratory, but now he set all this aside. Instead of indulging in poetic description and fanciful representation, which might please the senses and feed the imagination, but which would not touch the daily experience. Paul sought by the use of simple language to bring home to the heart the, truth, the truths that are of vital importance. Fanciful representation of truth may cause an ecstasy of feelings, but all too often truths that, uh, presented in this way do not supply the food necessary to strengthen and fortify the believer for the battles of life. The immediate needs, the present trials of struggling souls, these must be met with sound practical instruction in the fundamental principles of Christianity. So basically said, you know, Paul was not going around appealing to their emotions and their feelings in a way she said. Uh, poetic description and all these things. You know, when you listen to some of those Baptists, they they preach like they are actors. <laughs> you have a good representation of exactly what Ellen White said we shouldn't do. If you go, you put much emphasis on feelings, and you talk about, oh, how sad will be to die and you know be lost for eternity, and all the heartbreak and all that, and you get an emotional rush and that. But you know, as soon as the emotional are are gone, it's gone the message also. So what we need it's we need the truths that are of vital importance, the love of God and so forth. We don't need an ecstasy of feelings. When this ecstasy is done, all the impressions are gone. And it's not good because... Uh, but that's what you get when you look at the movies. The movie is just addressing your emotions. It doesn't appeal to your thinking because you are bombarded with images and that. The sad part in the movies there most of the time is glorified scene and or is a drama about scene and that. And uh, it's just perverting our imagination. That's what the Bible says. But 
hey, we have movies, Christian making movies. <laughs> the problem is how can you present truth using falsehood? That's my, my problem. It's, you cannot mix those. They don't mix. But I know, I'm a, of a strange opinion, but um, you do the research and you find your own conclusions. For me, I know something. I used to go to movies and I used to you know, get that emotional rush and my mind would go crazy after I saw a movie. <laughs> but just do something. You know, when you watch one of those nonsense movies, try to think about God and you'll see that you'll have troubles controlling your mind and focusing. I experienced that and then I start questioning movies and I decide no more. For me, you know, if it's fake, if it's not truth, I'm not watching it. I mean, you know, sometimes I, I got to be, you know, but I just look critically at one of those most innocent movies, The Little House on the Prairie. Everybody kind of saw, they saw this is good, wholesome, you know, old times kind of movies, they said. But I, I kind of watched through one. I said, let's see, what's that good about? And in that episode was a story about the main lady, I don't know, I, I didn't bother my mind to get this. She hired a person to do a job to fix her house. I don't know, you interact with that person. And he was a nice, very honest, and so forth. And so, a kind of uh, attraction came because, you know, he, he was a good person that had good qualities, and all the drama of the movie was, oh, you know, she's attractive, will she gave him, is she loving him, all that went about that. Basically, it's temptation, and you are entertained by temptation. Of course, they had a goose, and she didn't give in. <laughs> but what it does to us, we don't know. It feeds our wild imagination. And it's not in a good sense. Ellen White clearly said, this is Satan invention, and also it's poisoning our imagination. She said, even in the highest moral sense, it's without God. We should stay away from that, but... Nowadays, you know, you listen to the, you heard people recommending movie and think, but it's just poisoning our imagination because it appeals and feeds our emotions, and that's not good. It's an emotion-based religion is not going to hold you to the end. But I'll, I'll get with now, we talked about the negative. I'll get to the positive and show you what the Bible <coughs> tells us we should put our mind to. And uh, the importance of this, what we put in our mind, is very kind of you know crucial because the Bible clearly says that uh, what's in, in our heart is going to be on our tongue also. And as a man thinking in, in his heart, so is he. And uh, Christ said in Matthew twelve thirty four and thirty five, if you can turn with me. Uh, it's uh, Matthew 12, 34 and 35. Here Christ talks about the importance of guarding what we put in our mind or heart. Uh, Matthew 12, 34 and 35. Oh, I'm in Mark. I wonder why the verse doesn't match what I'm trying to say. It's Mark, uh, I looked. Uh, but Matthew 12, 34 and 35. Uh, of generation of vipers, how can he, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. 
a good man out of the good treasure of his heart of the heart bring it for good things and and an evil man out of the evil treasure bring it for evil things so basically what you put in your hand you know you have abundance of things put in your heart they will come out and if you put the good things good things will come out that's why it's very important i have some other bible verses i mean you can do about the importance and the uh, the uh, you know uh, to guard what we put in our mind and what we think on. And you know, one of the main things we have, we have to control our thoughts and channel them in the right direction. Don't let them r run wild. But that's the problem, is when you watch all this uh, entertainment and all that, your imagination goes wild and you have, have a trouble directing it in the right channel. But with God's help, we can do that. I like to put uh, to look at the Bible. I mean, a, a psalm in in Psalms Psalms nineteen. Here, where uh, where Paul talks. I mean, Paul David tells about the importance of meditation. Here is what he said in Psalm. I will read just uh, from verse 7 downward. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So here is what said, you know. Uh, it's the law of the Lord. It's the statute of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. That's what we should find things that will enjoy uh, our hearts with the statute of the Lord the, co the commandment of the Lord is pure enlightening the eyes the fear of the Lord is clean enduring forever the judgment of the Lord is true and righteous altogether more to be desired are they than gold yeah, than much fine gold Sweet, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb moreover by them is thy servant warned and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. And here is what I think we should pray about. That we will have the same mindset. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Here, David compares reading God's word with some good feelings. And he says, you know, thinking of God's statues is better than honey. In a way, he said, you know, the feelings you get when you eat something sweet, it's kind of the highest we should have a greater joy and uh, better feelings when we think about God and his statutes and his word. And uh, there are several others that talk to us about the importance of directing our thoughts and meditating on things. That, uh, here is some of the things that the Bible tells us we should meditate on and get our minds. And Actually, when you think about this, you know, uh, you cannot really put imagination to it because, you know, if I'll give you some words to meditate, meditate about righteousness. Huh? Can you make a, about truth? 
about mercy. <laughs> Those are attributes that we should think of about God. And your imagination cannot really play too much into it. And, uh, okay, but let's see here. Uh, the Bible verse and what they say we should meditate and put our mind to. Uh, in Psalm 1 and verse 2, it talks about, what do you think it talks about? We should meditate. The law of God. Day and night. Uh, uh, Psalms 1 verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law that he meditates day and night. So when you meditate on the law. You cannot really bring your imagination to it. The next one. Uh, it says uh, to meditate on God's work. On thy work. Psalm 63 verse 6 and 77 verse 12. It talks almost the same thing about. Meditate upon the works of God. 63 and verse 6. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. watches. And then uh, 77 verse 12. Psalm 77 verse 12. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Was he referring to God's creation? It might be. But I think he's uh, talking more about verse thir 13. It's a key about understanding. Thy way of God is in the sanctuary. Where is, such, where is, where is so great a God as our God? And actually in other Psalms... David says, I saw God in the sanctuary. But is he referring to visual seeing or is he referring to meditating and, let's say, visualizing? <laughs> but not necessarily visualizing because you will think of what's happening in the sanctuary and there was not image of God. There was the Shekinah of glory that was a representation of the presence of God but it was what was happening there and revealed about God and not necessarily his uh, visual forms and or shape but uh, and when you think about the sanctuary and what reveals is the work that God does now in saving people this is the work that it's on my on the mind of God I believe because you know let's face it I think uh, we are made in God's image man when they have a problem, they want to solve it. And that's what's on their mind. I mean, for me, you know, when my mind was saying something, I kind of, I have to look a way to fix it. That's the way God created. And I think it's one of God's attributes, you know. When God has a problem, he fixed it. I mean, he doesn't but, uh, have really problems. Only the sin caused the problem. So God is now in the process of fixing that, and that's his work now. The universe has no problem. He keeps it going pretty easy. The problem is, is the human heart and the human mind and the people that, you know, let's, let's start, let's face it, you know, Satan started a political campaign in heaven. <laughs> he thought he can do a better job than God, no? And the earth kind of believed what Satan said, oh yeah, we'll be happier and better off if we choose Satan and follow him. And the result we see here happening on the earth. It's a, and, uh, but God had not given up. And he's still trying to rescue people. And 
you can change party anytime you want. Uh, you know, God will accept you. Satan also will take you. And uh, it's our choice. And that's why it's very important to keep the mind and uh, have it prepared to kind of be in, uh, in, the, in the presence of God. Uh, another uh, thing that the Bible tells us to meditate, it's about thy precepts and statutes. In Psalms 119, many times this word, is, it's... Uh, it's repeated, uh, I meditate upon thy precepts and uh, thy statutes. Let's read uh, 119, 15 and 78. Psalm I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. Uh, and verse 78, let the proud be ashamed for thy dealt perversely with me without a cause. But I will, I will meditate in thy precepts. And then in, uh, it's another example in thy statutes, uh, verse 23, the same psalm. Princes also did sit and speak against me but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. This is another word for God's law. And verse uh, 48, again repeated the same idea. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. And then verse 48, 148. Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. And uh, about meditating on God's law and so forth. Also, the, Paul's advice to Timothy was to give heed and meditate upon doctrine and so forth. Um, the idea is this one. It's our own choice where we direct our thoughts. For me, I decided to follow what I preach. And now at night, when I cannot sleep, I go through my memory, try to look into the Bible verses. Sometimes uh, I get and sing some songs <laughs> in my memory, you know, I get. And it sounds to my mind that I sing pretty good. <laughs> in, in my it's my wicked imagination, I sing good, I don't hear. Actually, I don't necessarily hear a song, but I hear the words and the idea that the, the, the uh, mind. But um, I would say this, you know, will affect you, you know, the more you put your mind, the more you will speak about and be drawn closer to God. And the more you exercise these things, you know, you'll be drawn closer to. So for me, you know, when I go to bed, I try to get a Bible verse and read, and then get my mind to work until I fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, of course, it's not easy. All the times my imagination, uh, you know, runs wild because I put all the bad things in my mind, but, you know, the effects are... Now it's to, you know, I just have to, you know, exercise what God, with God's help we can do everyone. The idea is this one. Uh, we have a Christian duty to keep our minds with all diligence. Well, that's what the Bible says. So it's not an easy matter, you know. You'll have all the times all this attraction. You turn on the, you know, uh, uh, the computer. You say, oh, I'll just look at the weather or spend a little time. And Satan throws to you everything, try to captivate your imagination. 
And you know, you watch a video and then, oh, you might like these other things. They say. <laughs> and then it bombards you and you don't know when you, you wasted about five hours in the front. And uh, then your imagination, it's all kind of... I saw people in the church in presence of God looking on Facebook and that. I say, this is a pity, but it shows how we need God's help to convict us and help us to direct our mind in the right channel. And so we will grow and, and get closer to God. And uh, my appeal to you is, is twofold. First of it, I will study for myself how these things I put my mind to influence me. And second, I will try to put my mind to things that I think will help me. I know, uh, you know, the Bible says about thinking of, of heaven. What I have not seen and hear heard are the things that God prepared for us. So sometimes we can kind of uh, try to think about, not necessarily imagine, what God had prepared for us. So the, the, the problem people that saw something is they could not really describe it. For me now in my thinking about what heaven will be, I run into a problem, you know, how we, we will understand the forest. <laughs> Here the forest, the leaves fall down. They kind of uh, petrify, I mean, they uh, get uh, uh, decomposed and they become nourishment for the earth. But in, the, in heaven, you will not have that. <laughs> it's not going to be any more uh, dying. And uh, so, how will the, um, the tree feed and nourish? <laughs> but uh, Christ uh, had already solved that problem. Only here on this earth we have this same problem. That's why we cannot really grasp that and understand uh, the things. I mean, this is the problem that people had a vision of God. They could not really describe it because there's not that much you can compare with. And you know, in our imagination, we kind of have to have something to compare with. And when you build something, you kind of use something that you already saw. But we are here on this earth and we are so... I mean, all that we know is this... We don't know how the world will, will, will have been without sin. But through a sanctified imagination, <laughs> we can hope. And, you know, I'm just thinking about, you know, one of the things we know about heaven is going to be nothing to stress you. And there's not going to be the pressure of time. <laughs> and uh, it's not going to be any fear and other stuff. So it's kind of, uh, you know, we have a lot to think about and... Uh, my, my appeal to you is this twofold. Investigate for yourself how these things affect your brain and let's hear and follow, you know, uh, Peter's admonition that we should gird up the, the loin of our mind and put it to things that will build us up. And uh, we need a religion more than it's based just on feelings. We have a religion that it's deep in the heart and no matter what the feelings we tell us, we'll be faithful to God. And so my appeal to you is, uh, let's get close to God. Let's meditate on things that will help us and build us uh, and help us to be more like Christ. Amen. Wisdom and power to put our minds to things that will help us build faith and a dedication for you. Help us to guard the revenue of our soul and uh, follow the Bible instruction about what we should meditate. 
I'll pray that you, you gave us wisdom and gave us power to follow you and be a witness to you. And uh, I know the more we think of you and the closer we will get to you, the more we will like to talk about you. I'll pray, dear Lord, that that will be uh, our desire today and that uh, as we will draw nearer to Christ, we will become more like him and have the same mind that was in him. All this in Jesus' name I ask. Amen.